You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can find all of our podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. And you can hit up the Locked On Packers fan hotline at 920 920- 341-3775. That's 920-341-3775. And we're actually going to kick off the show today with a message from the Locked On Packers fan hotline after the Packers pulled away from the Tennessee Titans 31-17. The Titans scored the first seven points, and from there it was pretty much all Packers until a late touchdown in the fourth quarter evened it up a little bit. Obviously, Green Bay still wins by two touchdowns. And let's kick off our recap of the game with one of those messages to the Locked On Packers fan hotline. Hello, this is Derek Grimes from Lufkin, Texas. Uh, My question is, is that if we ever end up in a situation like we did when we played Arizona in the playoffs and had that crushing defeat, do you think we are deeper at wide receiver than we were back then with our backups? Or do you think we're about the same? Uh, I only ask that because we were pretty crushed at wide receiver when we went up against Arizona. Thanks. Bye. Now, in fairness to Derek, that question came before the young Packers receivers absolutely showed out in the preseason opener against the Tennessee Titans. Absolutely showed out. And and really, it wasn't just the young receivers. Devontae Adams smoked Malcolm Butler on a 48-yard beauty from Brett Hundley, who played well. And we're going to talk about those backup quarterbacks a little bit later. We're going to talk about one one of the defensive stars of this game a little bit later. But there is no way to talk about this game without talking about these young receivers. And you can't just say rookies because Jake Kumara, who after getting off to a slow start, caught a 52-yard touchdown from Tim Boyle in the fourth quarter, basically to put this game out of reach. And the outcome of the game is not relevant here. It just isn't. What is relevant is how these players react to this first real game live action against another team. And and the defense didn't play Mike Patton's scheme, really. The offense was without a lot of their starters. The offensive tackles didn't play. Lane Taylor didn't play. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers didn't play. Jimmy Graham, Randall Cobb, Aaron Jones is hurt. So there were a lot of guys that are going to be starters. Kevin, I mean, the top three corners on this team didn't play. So you look at what happened with Quentin Rollins. Look, you guys know where I stand on Quentin Rollins. All right, do I even have to say it? He's he's not going to be on this team. He just isn't, okay? But back to these receivers. I thought it was really interesting early on. Jake Kumaro was not getting a lot of snaps. D'Angelo Yancey was the slot receiver with the starters. And then after... 
Allison and Adams went out. Marquez Valdez-Scantling came in. Equinemia St. Brown came in. Jamon Moore came in. And they all made plays in different ways. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had the 51-yarder where he went up and made a contested catch. Had a 15-yard touchdown later where he made a contested catch. That is his weakness. Despite his size, he is not a physically imposing receiver. He is not a huge guy in terms of his build. He's tall, but he's lanky. And yes, he runs crazy fast. And we saw that second gear a couple times. But he also showed fluidity in space. He did have, I think, two drops, depending on on how you score these things. Jamon Moore had at least two, plus he had two more where the ball was ripped away from him. But he had that ugly drop on what could have been a touchdown when Tim Boyle laid the ball right in the breadbasket over the shoulder on a beautiful throw up the seam. Should have been a score. The ball goes off Jamon Moore's hands. He was the least impressive of the young receivers on a night when the other three guys were really good. EQ is still the only one of these young receivers without a drop if you include family night. And he had a 28-yarder where he caught the ball running across the field and, and showed he's not just some big possession receiver. He's not. He has the ability to make plays after the catch because he's a 4-4-40 guy, even at 6-5-2-15. He showed reliability with his hands. These receivers are making it really tough on Mike McCarthy to decide who to keep and who to let go. Because right now, they have seven guys that can probably contribute. And and we haven't even talked about Trevor Davis or D'Angelo Yancey. I think Yancey is clearly the long shot to make the team. He probably winds up back on the practice squad. But what do they do with Trevor Davis? He might have to get cut outright. Can they find a trade partner for him? Does he have any value? Teams know at this point in camp that the Packers have decisions to make. And if they're trying to trade one of these receivers, it means they could be on the verge of cutting one of them. Could they see if someone is willing to take Geronimo Allison? Could that be a route that they go? Because Allison would be a desirable commodity in the free agent market, potentially, if he were cut. And a team could say, well, we could get him on a rookie contract, a very, very team-friendly contract. And maybe he could be a starting receiver for us. That that hasn't been suggested, but that would also mean trusting a rookie to be a starter. That is a serious gamble. Unless they thought Kumaro was ready to come in and start, I don't see that. So you have Valdez Scantling with the big play potential. He had a couple drops too, remember? So he, he's been inconsistent with his hands. Had a couple drops on family night. He's had some drops in training camp. He He needs to get that sorted out because he is a special athletic talent. And Jamal Moore has been open. He's been in position. Good body control, good quickness, good speed. And he just needs to finish. One of the things that I was explaining to someone on Twitter last night was the thing about being a rookie receiver is there's so much information that you have to take in, so much that you're processing, that the last thing you're really focusing on is the most critical thing, and that is catching the football. Because you have to go to the line of scrimmage with a plan. This offense requires being able to process on the fly. You've got to see what coverage they're playing. You have to understand what the quarterback wants from you. You have to determine cornerback leverage, all of these things. 
Then you have to run your route just right. You have to find the ball. And then you have to make the catch. Your brain is so overloaded by that point that you just sort of let your body's muscle memory take over. And in the NFL, that's just not enough. And Jamon Moore learned that potentially the hard way. He had a touchdown taken away from him because he couldn't finish a catch. He had another great play on the sideline. He's not open on the initial play. Deshaun Kaiser breaks the pocket. And Moore streaks down the field. He gets himself open. He works open. And Kaiser puts the ball on him. Now, it could have been a little bit further out in front for sure. But it was still in a position where Moore could make a play on the ball. He did. He has two hands on it. It's it's a catch. And the corner fights through the catch point to get a pass breakup. And give the corner credit. He did what he's supposed to do. But if you're Moore, you have to make that play. You just do. So I I think it's worth going back to someone like Devontae Adams, who as a rookie showed flashes but also had inconsistency with his hands. He didn't struggle with drops at Fresno State. And he didn't struggle with drops in 2016 or 2017. He did in 2014 because he's learning and he's processing and he's still figuring it out. And then 2015, when he was hurt, he lacked all confidence. And that confidence can be a killer. And what I'm what I'm fearful of with Moore is these catches, this compounds. And now he's in his head about it. And it becomes, now he has the yips. That's the last thing. Receiver's the number one thing for receivers to play with confidence. That's why so many of these guys are a little bit of a diva. Because you kind of have to be. You have to feel like every ball, when it's in the air, that's mine. That's my ball. You can't have it. And right now, that is not Jamon Moore's mindset. He's being passed up. If we had to go right now, and say, who are the best receivers on this team? Based only on what we've seen, he's certainly not in the top six. It's Adams, Cobb, Allison, Kumaro, MVS, and EQ. That's the six. He's no better than seventh and might not even be seventh when you add in Yancey and Davis. That's nine receivers. That's a lot of guys. And they're fighting for what is probably six spots. Now, I speculated on Twitter the other day that what they could do is take seven receivers into that first two weeks knowing they have Aaron Jones on suspension. And then what you do is two weeks into the season, you try and sneak one of these guys onto the practice squad. And it it might be easier to do that in week two because most teams have their roster set versus in the last week of August or early September, simply because that's when when teams are looking to add players. Whereas during the season, most teams have their rosters pretty much set, especially early on. They haven't had too many injuries, and so it might be easier for Green Bay to do that. I don't know. As I've said many times before, I think these things have a way of playing themselves out. They have a way of working themselves out. And I think if you're the Packers right now, you just have to say, there's a lot of ball game left. There's a lot of snaps left to be played, be practiced. There's three games left in the preseason. And so so there's a lot of things that still get to be determined. A lot of plays that can be made. Positions can still be won or lost. Let's not overreact to one night. But it is heartening, if you're a Packers fan, to see these young receivers 
really step up in a big way because to to the question earlier, yeah, this team's a lot deeper than that team was at receiver because that 2015 Packers team, Jordy was out. Devontae Adams had just gotten back. He gets hurt. Cobb gets hurt. And they basically had two receivers to play. Well, if this team had a slew of injuries, they've got a bunch of dudes and they made sure of it. And so I think they'd be in a much better position because they'd have more talented players. They would have rookies. Janice was a second-year player in 2015. So was Aberderis. But the guys they have now, they're more talented. They just, they, uh, they, they're more talented. There's been jokes that Kumaro is the new Janice, jokes that Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the new Janice. Both of those guys are better pure receivers than Janice ever was. And, and so putting them out there what I think put this offense in a better position than it had been. And then you add in the fact that the running game is better, the tight ends. This team is just so much deeper at the skill positions than it was in that situation that I don't think anyone should worry about the depth there, this season at least. All right, we spent a lot of time on the receivers. I do want to get to some of the other positions because... One of the, the the critical positions for the Packers going into this game and going into the season, really, is the backup quarterback position. And we, we talked about it in the preview. Things to prove, things to shine. Things to prove, players who can shine. This backup quarterback battle is essential for the Packers. And Brett Hundley came out and played pretty well. Play, he looked decisive, played in rhythm, showed good accuracy. Opening drive, touchdown, that beautiful throw to Devontae Adams. And, and we know that he has the arm talent. We know that. But what we didn't know is could he come in and play with confidence and decisiveness and, and play in rhythm and on time. And he did that for the most part. Now, he still struggled with his pocket awareness. Kyle Murphy gave up a strip sack. Byron Bell gave up a strip hit. I don't know if it would have been ruled a fumble. It didn't matter because a Tennessee Titan caught the pass. And so whether it was a fumble or an interception, doesn't matter. But Hunley didn't feel those pressures in either case, or at least thought he could get the ball out at least a second time. That that could be a plausible explanation, but it didn't seem like he felt the pressure coming. And that was a problem last year for him with his pocket awareness. That said, I think he did take a step forward based on what we saw last year. I just don't know if we can take much from it because he had looked good in preseason before. Does this does this mean he's taken some important step forward? I really don't think so. If you're Deshaun Kaiser, I th- I'm encouraged with what I saw from Kaiser. Not not perfect by any means, but made some very nice plays. Was also decisive in the pocket. Has better pocket awareness, I think, overall than Brett Hundley. Is able to move and find receivers, can feel the pressure, and is also extremely athletic. Ran for a first down, made a couple plays outside the pocket. And the red zone is still a struggle for him, and I don't know why. When he gets down there, the field gets compressed, and and he struggles. He was the worst red zone quarterback in football last year. He was probably the worst quarterback in football, full stop. But in the red zone, he was particularly heinous. The windows shrink shrink down. The processing has to speed up. And I don't know that they put him in the best position through a couple of bad fades. Uh, you know, Jamon Moore probably should have had 
a touchdown. There was a Geronimo Allison play where he probably should have caught a fade for a touchdown. All that being said, I think each guy showed flashes of why the Packers feel confident in them moving forward. I would like to see Kaiser with the twos next week. I think he he should get that opportunity to play with the second string, offensive line, the those skill players, and, and get a little bit of a chance to, to show what he has. We know what he looks like against ones. We saw him do it last year. So let's see what he can do with the twos. And instead of the threes, I mean, he, he got to play with some of the second string guys and, and the two versus three distinction is less important really because, you know, backups are backups and then he played with some twos, but I want to see him against better players playing with better players because that's just a, a, a superior position to be in to try and succeed. Brett Hundley got to play with Devontae Adams. Deshaun Kaiser didn't. And that's a big difference. So I'd like to see Kaiser get that opportunity. If it if it is true that right up until essentially game time, right up until that last practice, Mike McCarthy was still deciding who was going to start, I don't think anything in this game suggests that either player is clearly ahead of the other at this point. And as a result, I'd love to see Kaiser be the guy that comes in after Aaron Rodgers' next game and get some more reps in in practice I thought each guy did some nice things each guy showed that they're making some progress and each player has weaknesses still has things that they have to work on I I don't think it's fair to say at all that either are starting caliber players at this point Kaiser had to start Brett Hundley had to start but neither are preferred starters and clearly when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback no no shot but that's not the point the point is If you need them to play in a pinch, can they? That's the question that Green Bay has to ask itself at this point. And I don't know if we're any closer to answering that after one game. Like I said, each guy did some things well. But what what you'd really like to see is one of them separate themselves. Go out there and just light someone on fire. Just, Just really play well. Brett Hundley was on his way to doing that. And then some of those old issues cropped up with his pocket awareness. And, you know, he just is who he is at this point. And Rob Domofsky wrote an article about the two quarterbacks and said the Packers probably could have gotten a mid-round pick for Hundley had they tried to deal him last season. He has essentially no value now in a trade. And as we talked about with Jason Hirschhorn at the beginning of the week, I I just, it's hard to imagine he's making this team. And so now he's playing for a, a snap somewhere else. Good for him if he plays well. It's probably not going to be on this team. Maybe he plays so well he rehabs his trade value and someone gives up a conditional pick for him. Great. But I don't know that we saw anything Thursday night that suggests he's taken some huge step forward after getting the chance to be the starter for most of last season. Before we get out of here, I just I have to mention the play of Oren Burks who led the Packers in tackles and showed the kind of speed in the open field that made him a third-round pick, that made him the kind of player that Green Bay traded up to get. I mentioned on family night that there was a play where Burks was back in coverage, Kaiser broke the pocket, and was was trying to run for a touchdown. And Burks flew upfield and just didn't make the tackle because you can't hit the quarterback. Well, a number of times on Thursday night, there were 
players that looks like they were free on the sideline, and Oren Burks just flew to the football. There was a play where the Titans had had thrown the ball to the flat, where the Titans had thrown the ball to the flat, and David Flewellen had made the catch, and it looked like he was gonna he had plenty of green grass to go get a first down, and Oren Burks just explodes to the sideline, makes a sure tackle in the open field. That's what you want to see from him. And he had a couple plays like that. He played physically in the run game, took on blocks, fought off blocks to make tackles. He looked like everything you want from a starting inside linebacker. And I continue to insist that Jake Ryan's injury is a blessing in disguise for the Packers because Oren Burks is the player that should have been there all Along, He is so physically talented, so gifted, and so versatile in the way that he can be a part of your defense in the run game, in the passing game, get sideline to sideline. He did give up a fourth down completion, but was in position to make the tackle immediately. He gave up. The Titans needed four yards. They got four yards. That's not going to kill you. If that's Jake Ryan, maybe that's four yards that turns into a touchdown. That is the difference in speed and playmaking when you have the... I I don't think it's crazy, and maybe it is crazy, but watching the game, I know Morgan Burnett ran a 4-4-40 coming out of the combine. He is not that player anymore. I thought coming downhill, Burks, to me, looked faster than Morgan Burnett did last season. And maybe that was a function of the scheme, and maybe that was just a, a function of of an aggressive mentality or whatever it is. I'm just telling you what my eyes are seeing. Maybe that's an overreaction. Burnett has not looked like the same explosive player he was early in his career. The ACL tear, I think, had a lot to do with it. He's played a lot of snaps, but he's battled through a lot of injuries. There's a reason the Packers let him walk. He just wasn't the versatile defender he used to be. I know Oren Burks ran 4-6. I wouldn't be surprised if, if you put Morgan Burnett on a electric timer right now and made him run a 40. I bet he'd run 4-6 plus. I bet he would. I really do. But that's not the point here. It's really not. He looks explosive. That is the point. And I think Green Bay is going to be happy with the way that he progresses over the course of the next few weeks and into the regular season. All right, back at it next week. We will be back Monday with more shows. Uh, a full slate, four shows. I just, I'm, I'm so thankful that everyone, we, we set up this Locked On Packers fan hotline and you guys have made such amazing use of it. We have so many questions that I may just have to dedicate an entire show to it because I get, I mean, I'm getting texts. You guys text me more than my wife. So please keep doing that. I really appreciate it. I'm going to try and get at least one question into every show. But like I said, we may have to, we may have to do a whole show. That's how many questions we're getting, and I think that would be fun. It looks like there's a lot of momentum to get the pick'em pool going, so I'm going to look into that and figure out what the best system is to do that. If you have any suggestions, let me know. That's what we have the fan hotline for. Send them to me, 920-341-3775. You can also send them to me on Twitter, at Peter underscore Bukowski. Send them to the podcast Twitter page, at Locked on Packers. Put it on Facebook. You can like us on Facebook. You can give us a review on iTunes. Put it in there if you want. That'd be great, along with a five-star review. Please do that. I wrote the gamer off the game last night. That's on Acme Packing Company. We're going to have 
loads of content over the next few weeks and into the season. Keep your eye out for all of that and for all of the stuff on this podcast by subscribing on iTunes. Stay up to date. You hear the promos, the number one local daily podcast. That's what we do here because we know your appetite for Packers content is insatiable. We know what you want to do, and that is stay locked on Packers.